Jesus, today we thank you for amazing grace that saved us. We are always amazed by the wonderful grace that you've lavished, the love that you've lavished on our lives. It's changed us, set us free, made us whole in many areas, and it hasn't stopped yet. Just keeps coming, keeps flowing towards us. It's new every morning. And Lord, we just want to thank you. You've never, ever thought about giving up on us. Never, ever once thought about quitting, throwing the towel in. That boy Edwards is just too big a project, too big a work. He requires too much of my commitment, too much of my attention. No, those questions have never, ever gone through your mind. You've never, ever wanted to give up on the Edwards project. Lord, you've always lavished your love on me. Like everybody else in this room, we realize that. We want to thank you for that. And Lord, we just relax and rest and revel in that unconditional love today that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So Lord, today we just want to thank you. This is a new day, brand new, a brand new day. The old is gone, the new has come. You said we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. You said that, we didn't. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. We didn't declare that over our lives. You've declared it. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us realize that. I pray that you'd help us put away those old thoughts and those old patterns of living that hang around that are so hard to get rid of, those habits that bind us. Lord, we thank you. They've got no place in the new creation that you've created us to be. So, Lord, I thank you that you are fully committed to helping us. You're not our critic. You're not our judge, the one that comes to condemn. You're the Savior, the sanctifier, the justifier, the advocate, the one that sets free. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you, Jesus. We do not give our praise and our attention and our thanks to an earthly figure, but one that is seated at, seated at the right hand of God in heaven, reigning over all, living in our hearts. And we want to thank you and praise you for that. Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give him a shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Let's thank our musicians this morning. And, um, you know, Steve came up to me just um, as we were singing this morning, and he gave me just a really short word for this congregation. I'm going to ask Steve to speak it to you. And just listen. Listen to it because it's the Holy Spirit's voice into our heart. Go on, Steve. Very, very quickly, as we look around the world, it appears is reeling, and it seems that sometimes our lives spiritually can also be reeling by the situations we face. I felt the Lord say, saying this, seasons to discourage us and the wind to batter us, they come and go. But my love towards you remains unchanging forever. 
My word is not at the mercy of the seasons or the wind. Hallelujah. And will also stand not only for today, but forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God thanks for his word. Amen. Amen. God's word remains the same. His promises are sure. We, like Steve said, I love that word. We can depend on his word. It's not going to fail us. And in amidst the storm, in amidst the wind, in amidst all of the variances of life, Jesus, the word of God, is completely unmoved by it all, in control, and we are going forward. We are, we are progressing forward with our lives, and we will do everything and enter into everything that God has destined us for. It doesn't matter what tries to hit you off course. It doesn't matter what tries to contradict what God has said and God has spoken over your life. Like Steve, Steve said, come what may, God's Word is going to prevail. God's Word will not return. God talking about his own word, the, the, the words that God speaks, God talking about those words and those promises that he speaks over his people. He says this, my words will not return to me void. That means empty. They will not return to me without accomplishing that for which I have sent them. They will accomplish everything that God has sent them to accomplish. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're looking at Psalm 86, picking up on one verse from that amazing psalm from David's life. David said this, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I love how David associates truth with teaching. Truth with teaching. When he says, teach me your way, O Lord, he attaches truth to it. Did you notice that? In that simple statement, he says, Lord, if you're going to teach me, I know that your ways are faultless. I know that your ways are true. I know that your ways are going to be solid to base my life on. They're not going to fail. They're not going to falter. They're not going to going to break apart under the pressures of life. David associates truth with the teaching that he is expecting to receive from the Lord. It's wonderful. The Lord actually wants to teach us. Lots of times we've got an idea of teaching that it's dry, that it's boring. You know, when, when you hear that word, teaching. Our minds often go back to the schoolroom, to the class that we had to endure and get through. Our minds often reflect on those times where we just got bored in class and, you know, we started to get fidgety and we, we began to make trouble and, you know, we began to give the teacher a hard time. Lots of times we've got this idea about teaching that it's dry, that it's completely irrelevant. Well, when the Lord's your teacher... There's nothing irrelevant about him. He's contemporary, contemporary to every time. He's relevant. He's practical. He gets down in the nitty-gritty of life, and he helps us on through. In fact, David said, you'll know these words, your word, your teaching is a light unto my feet. It's a lamp unto my path. Imagine having a light 
available to you as you walk out into every day. The teacher will give you that. The Lord will give you that. He will be a light over every decision you make. That's the level of care. That's the level of involvement. I tell you now, if we just sat back and thought about the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and my goodness, we'd be amazed. We'd be amazed. Jesus called the Holy Spirit teacher. He said, I'm going to send you one just like myself. He's going to teach you. He's going to teach you one of, the, one of the most important aspects and roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not a feeling. It's not falling on the floor and, and just shaking. That can happen. I'm not decrying that. It's happened to me when you're overcome by the power of God. But if that's all it is, how are you going to get through life? How are you going to make the crucial decisions at the crossroads of life when you come to them? No, the Holy Spirit doesn't, you know, He's not just this abstract power that throws you on the floor so you mumble and jumble and shake and then nothing happens. He is a teacher. He is a teacher. Let's respect Him as, as that. He's not just this ethereal fire that comes from heaven like He did on the day of Pentecost. No, He is a teacher. He's going somewhere with your life. Your life is precious. Your life is important to God. The Bible says, Paul actually said it, we are the workmanship, we are the masterpiece of God in Christ Jesus. You're a masterpiece. You're not a piece of rubbish under, under the heel of life being overcome by circumstance. Do you know what? You're, you're, you're the apple of God's eye. Your life is important. Your life is wonderful. Your life is beautiful to God. And that's why he sent the teacher. He loves you so much, he wants to. He loves me so much, he wants to instruct me. He wants to teach me. He wants to help me. He wants to guide me. He's wonderful, the Holy Spirit. The teacher is not dry and boring. You may, be, may have been in teaching sessions that, you know, have been irrelevant to your life and you're clock watching and wondering why you're there. Oh my goodness, why did I sign up for this? And you want to get out of there. When God comes side by side with you, walking down the corridors of life, I'm telling you now, you, you, your, your mind is going to enlarge. Your attitudes are going to change. Your whole capacity for living is going to get bigger. Imagine, imagine God, the Holy Spirit, being your teacher. David's giving the Lord an invitation. He's, he's giving the Lord an invitation. Teach me. That's an invite from a man that's in need. It's an invite from a man that's poor. It's an invite from a man that is meek and humble. You know, when, when you're meek, one of the interpretations of being meek is to be teachable. A person that's set in their own ways and stubborn and arrogant and proud, never Give the Lord this kind of invitation. But here's a man at the end of himself. Here's a man that's acknowledging that he doesn't have all the answers. You know, sometimes we can be set in our own ways. Sometimes we can think that we're right about everything. Sometimes we can be confident and strong and just bulldoze over things. Well, David 
had come to a place in his life, and I believe one of the great characteristics of this man, from a young man right into old age, was this aspect of being teachable. Teachable. Open to instruction. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? When you, you look around this church and you see people, they're, they're teachable. The Lord's made them teachable. It, it, it's wonderful to see that they're open to instruction. When, when, you, when, when you ask them to do something, they don't snap back. Or, or you say, well, look, we're, we're not going to do it this way on this occasion. And we may have all, always done it this, this way, but we're going we're gonna to go a different way. Because we just feel that this is the leading of God. It's wonderful not to get bitten. It's wonderful to, to have people that are pliable and malleable and shapeable in their attitudes. And they're, they're, they're willing to move in a, in a new direction as God directs. That's, that's a wonderful aspect of this church. And over the many years, there's been lots of ways in which this church has been directed and moved and steered by the Holy Spirit. And we're still here. Why? Because we may have a lot of faults. We may not be where we want to be. But you know what? One of the things that we have got collectively together is that we are teachable. We are malleable. We are pliable. We are movable. And that's why we are still here. Because if we'd have dug our heels in, at the challenges, if we'd have dug our heels in when God wanted to steer us and teach us to go in a different way, we would have failed. But one of the great characteristics of our lives and of your personal life is to retain, retain a teachable heart. I don't ever want to be a person that's just stuck in his ways. You know, it's a terrible indictment, isn't it, to have comments thrown at you. Well, you're just stuck in your ways because you're stubborn, because, you know, you're, you, you won't move. That's, that's an awful thing just to be stuck in your ways. Well, my way's the right way. I'm not moving on this. I'm not even open to have a discussion why you feel the way you feel. This is right, and this is the way we're going to do it. I'm the head, I'm the husband, you need to submit to me. Hey, slow down. Maybe you need to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Just a thought. Just a thought. You see, we need to be teachable. We need to be flexible. We need to have a conversation. We can't just, you know, rule with the rod of iron and say, this is the way, walk in it. Excuse me. Excuse me. Be open. Be teachable. Be flexible. Don't just be stuck in your ways and say, this is the way we're doing it and bulldoze through decisions. Why? Because that way is not only going to hurt other people, it's going to damage you. It's going to damage you. No, be open. Be flexible. Be pliable. A teachable spirit is a humble spirit. Do you know it's saying, it's just saying, do you know what? And, and people see this as weakness. People see this as weakness, but it's the weakness that God loves. Amen. It's saying, do you know what? God, man, I've just come to the end of myself. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what decision to make. I, 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 I just can't rely on myself. I just can't rely on maybe 
formally how I've done what I've done. And you've come to a place in life and you just open. It's a weak place of life. That's where David was. And he said, oh, Lord, teach me your ways. He could see that his ways may have worked to a degree, but they wouldn't have taken him the distance. He could see that his ways may have got him so far, but usually not far enough. And he cries to God. He says, your ways. It's your ways that I need. It's your ways that I need to be taught. I've been brought up through experience. My background is this, that, and the other. But I need a new input. I need more investment. I can't find anybody that even comes near to your abilities. God, teach me. Be the Lord and teach me. It's an invite for God to get involved in our lives. It's an acknowledgement that we don't have all the answers. And one thing about the Christian life, what you become very aware of from day one, is that you have to acknowledge that you don't have the answers. But the great thing is, that generates a dependency on the Lord. It really does. So don't beat yourself up. Don't, don't you know, go back into your shell and say, well, I've just got to hide because I can't cope with life. No. It generates a dependency on the Lord. Now, when we begin to invite him to be teacher, this is where it gets really exciting. And we begin to understand the cost of him being involved in our lives. Because his ways, as God has said, his ways are not our ways. God said it to Moses, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So much higher are my ways than your ways and my thoughts, your ways. As far as the earth is from the heavens are my ways and my thoughts from yours. And David is recognizing this, acknowledging this, and now inviting God and saying, it's a realization moment for his life. I realize my ways are inferior. This isn't a man failing. This is a man on the verge of amazing success. This is a man on the verge of an amazing discovery because God is about to take him into a classroom and begin to instruct him and teach him about life and about all of the aspects that he needs input into. He's not on the verge of failure. He's on the verge of transformation because he wants those ways that are higher than his. The Lord will teach you his ways. And sometimes what happens when he begins to teach us his ways is that our ways begin to collide with his. It's called your will. Our will comes up against God's will. Our ways comes up against God's ways. You're in a situation, circumstance of life, and there's a person involved, and it's a setup to help you, to mold you, to shape you, 
But it doesn't seem as if this person is being very helpful in the process. In fact, the opposite. They're getting up your nose. They're going up the one nostril and down the other. And you, you may be getting angry. You may be getting frustrated. And you want to you wanna use your ways to work out the situation. We've all been there. And if we, we're not there today, maybe tomorrow or another day. And then God's ways come into that situation. And the choice is, are we going to go with God's way? Or are we going to go with our way? I'm telling you now, many times, I've gone with my way just to encourage you, just to give you a bit of pastoral support this morning. Many times, my ways have prevailed over God's ways when it comes to dealing with life and circumstance. But He doesn't give up on us. You see, I told you before, wonderful aspect about God. Thank God. I thank God for this one quality characteristic alone. He's patient. Aren't you glad He's patient? Do you know what? If God was impatient with me, I'd be a pile of dust on the floor. I really would. I would have been burnt up a long time ago. But he's patient with me, and he's patient with you. The teacher, Lord, teach me your ways. The Lord is patient. He says he's slow to anger. He's slow to anger, rich in mercy because of his great love. He's patient. He knows that we fail. He knows that we choose our ways above his ways. And yet, he's patient with us. Upper room, I've referred to it before. Jesus is talking about God's ways, the Lord's ways. The Lord is teaching His disciples His ways. It's a great scene. It's, it's a great moment for the disciples. Teaching is happening. It's called the Last Supper. And Jesus says, as I have loved you, love one another. Oh, teaching wonderful. Peter receives it. Yes, Lord. They've all left the towel and the bowl, and the Lord had to teach them through that. Nobody wanted to touch it, but they're getting teaching from the mouth of Jesus, none other than Jesus, and he's teaching them. A couple of hours later, love one another as I have loved you. Peter pulls his sword out, tries to chop a man's head off. He cuts his ear off. The ear's on the floor. Jesus has to get up and heal the man. I think it's a great I love, I, I love the fact that it's in there. I bet Peter doesn't, right? But I tell you now, thank God it's in there. It encourages us. We do it all the time. We fail. But Jesus, you see, talking about the patience of the teacher. Jesus could have just given up on Peter. My God, he's been with me three years. He's seen everything about my nature, my character. I've, I've taught for hours after hours, night and day. He's seen my goodness, and it hasn't even touched him. He's tried to kill a man. The teacher's patient. The teacher just doesn't isolate a moment, you see. We isolate moments in other people's lives when they fail, when they get it wrong, and we say, do you know what? That's that. Look at, look at what that person's done. Look how they failed. Look how they've messed up. Look how they've gossiped. Look how they've hurt somebody. Oh, I tell you what, I don't want anything to do with them. 
I don't want anything to do with them. They've hurt this church. They've hurt me. They've gossiped about me. I don't want any. Don't you even mention that person in my presence. We isolate a person to a moment of failure. The teacher doesn't do that. You see, Jesus didn't isolate the moment where Peter cut the man's ear off. He knew he was going for the head. Why? Because he destined him to stand in front of a whole city and see it one to Christ. And then on beyond Jerusalem, he would go all over the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God that God doesn't isolate moments of failure in our lives. He sees a greater design. He sees a greater, grander plan and picture for your life. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Teacher's patient. And David, David knew this because David had some, some big challenges, some, some big failures, some huge mistakes and sins that he committed. But you know what? At the end of it all, after all of the terrible failures that he made and all of the successes that were, that were achieved, after it all in the New Testament, the Bible says, David, a man after God's own heart. Why? Why is that comment over David's life in the New Testament? I'll tell you why. Because God doesn't isolate the moments of failure in our lives. He doesn't. He looks far, far beyond them. He forgives them. He, he knows that he's working towards a program and a process to get us into everything that he has destined us to be. He really does. He's so wonderful and so gracious. David associates truth, truth with, what is it? Truth with teaching, teaching. Whatever you teach me, I know that I'm going to be able to take it, practice it, live it, and walk in it. I will walk in this truth. He's our teacher. Now, you know, over this last past 12 months, I've looked back over my life, and it's been interesting because I've been, throughout this last past year, questioning why I eat what I eat. It may sound strange, right? I find it strange. I don't know if it's because your body changes when you get older, right? But I've been questioning a lot why I eat what I eat. Faye actually cooks really healthy food, wonderful food every day for us and the children. You know, we don't... We don't eat processed food. We, we eat fresh food, and Faye is, is really committed to doing that. But i got to be honest, I do like my junk. You know, I've been, I've been looking at it. I've, been, I've just been watching it. And, and what I'm finding, right, is whilst I enjoy eating the junk, right, my body is beginning to protest. My body, right, is, is, is trying to say to me, it's sending signals. It's saying, I don't like this. No, my head is saying, I like this. I want this. I love this. So, you know, I have a history of Indian curry. It's in my history. I love it. 
I have a history of Turkish kebabs. I have a history of, you know, all of the junky sweets that, that you know, you grow up on. And what I found is this, and I've, I've watched myself. I found that my diet is driven by appetite. That, sound, that may sound obvious to you. But in looking at all of this, I've found also that there are people of whom their appetite is not driven, or their diet is not driven by appetite. Their diet is driven by intelligence. So, for instance, the difference is this. It's extreme, extremely different. My appetite, or my diet, because it's driven by appetite, means this. I don't question what I eat. If it's on the plate and it looks good, I just throw it in. And that's how I've always lived. Yeah, just, oh man, I like the taste of that. I don't read the, I don't in, read the ingredients. I don't read how it's going to affect my life or my feelings or, no man, I, I like the taste of that. It looks good. And let's not make it a small amount. Let's make it an amount so it's a, an amount that is falling off the sides of the plate. Why go, live large? Live large. So, appetite rules. I don't question what comes into my body. And, you know, there's lots of things that are good that come in. But there are things that are not good. And I, I, before, you know, before this last past 12 months, I wouldn't have even given it a thought. But for some reason, and I can't tell you why, for some reason, this is coming back at me all the time in different ways, in different forms. And you've got to take notice of it. So, but the person who eats with intelligence is completely different to the person that eats just via appetite. The person that eats with intelligence examines what's on the plate, looks at the good that that food is going to have as a result of eating it for their body. It's not just a matter of taste for them. They are looking way down the corridor to see how it can benefit their health. I've never done that. Never interested me. And I'm only just looking at it now in a little small way. So, last couple of weeks, I've been eating raw carrots. <laughs> eh? Not only that, raw broccoli. Not only that, a bit of raw cauliflower. <laughs> and raw beetroot. Raw everything. Loads of stuff. And all of these foods that I've had in little, you know, moderate ways and, and not really in, in you know, w giving any commitment to it, I've started to come on my plate. I'm beginning to slowly eat intelligently. But you know what? And I say this just, just in line with what we're talking about. Do you know what? It's really hard. It's, I find it very difficult from actually changing from a diet that's driven by appetite to a diet that's driven by intelligence. Last night, I looked at Faye, 
And I said, oh, look at that avocado on the table there. Shall we have avocado on toast? And Faye just smiled. And I knew what she was thinking because I was thinking it too. I said, or, I said, avocado on toast, or local greasy kebab shop. <laughs> oh, Satan is real, my friends. <laughs> he is real. Temptation, my whole body, my whole body began to vibrate as I thought about that local Turkish kebab house full of grease. I mean, even the floor is filthy. It's like an icing rink when you go in there. You're skating across to the counter. It's so bad. I said, you know what, Faye? I am going to surrender to my lower desires. And I am going to bring you into this. We're going to go into this headlong together. I'm going up the kebab shop. Get the phone. Get the order on. And Faye, had a, Faye always has a small one. I've I got to go extra large. I, there's something in my, in my personality. It's just extreme. Right? Extra large kebab and the meat. I said, I rang it, rang it, kill the fatted calf. Get it in the... Uh, get it ready. And I divulged. Oh, and, and do you know what? I don't chew my food. It's terrible. You see, I don't. I don't. You should chew it, shouldn't you? hundred times, they reckon. hundred times. And I'm learning this. But it's hard. It's so hard because your appetite drives me. It drives me. It drives you. Drives you. Don't eat it. Ah. Scramble it down. You don't even taste it. Because your appetite, your tastes, that's what it does. And uh, after it, I thought, oh, man, I just laid. Oh, also, right? Extra large chips. Oh, special. No, special. He said to me, it's great. I just, you know, your appetite, you don't even think, you see. You, there's no intelligence in it, right? You don't even think. He said, just salt and vinegar. I said, no, get the garlic sauce on there. Whoa, he got the spoon out and banged the garlic sauce on. It was proper. And um, so, but you see, it's hard. It's hard to change your eating habits. Now, the great thing is, you've got to, you've got to work at it, haven't you? You've got to work at it. I won't go into detail, but it was difficult. It was a difficult morning this morning. I'm not going to go into detail, but it was a difficult morning. It really was a difficult morning. I'll leave it to your imagination. Extra large kebab, chili sauce, garlic sauce, and every other kind of sauce on it. Leave it to your imagination. You see, your body, your body's not designed for that. It's not. And my body is telling me, Dave, come on now, boy. You're 47. You've been 47 years at this. You've been banging it out, never questioning what comes into your mouth. No wonder you're feeling why you're, like you're feeling. No wonder you're looking like you're looking. No wonder you haven't got any air on your head. All the chemicals you've eaten has killed it all. You see? But my body now is starting to question the way that I'm eating. So I've, I'm trying slowly to make a change. And I will. I will. I, slowly. But I realize that I'm on a journey. And one day, I will be able to announce to you, no more kebabs. I'm not at that stage yet. I will be. I, I'm off the curry. I used to love the curry. 
It may, could be the curry house. I've got to change the curry house. But, you know, but slowly, I'm gonna, I, I will get there. I definitely will get there. But I, I realize that it's a little step at a time. Do you know, it's like that, isn't it? With the Christian life. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to, we're going to, oh, fantastic. Thank you, James. Look at him. Number one fan. He's awesome. Wonderful boy. Wonderful boy, James. I love him very much. Yeah. So, smile for the camera. Great. It's like, it's like that with life, you see. What I found when I look at my life is that lots of aspects of my life have been driven by impulse. Impulse. Driven by appetite. You know? So that means that sometimes I've made choices without even thinking about the consequences. It tastes so good. I'm going to go, oh man, what an opportunity. I'm just going to race on into that. And your life is driven by your impulses. Your life is driven by your appetites. And you begin to make choices that are not so good, because, but they taste really good. And they hit the mark. But in the scheme of things, in the long run of your life, it's breaking you apart. We've, we've all been there. We've all been there. What the teacher does, see what the teacher does, he comes alongside and he says, hey Dave, listen now, in that area where you're making choices that are not so good, making decisions that are not going to help you, I'm here to enable you to make intelligent choices. Not just choices based on your appetite, but choices that are intelligent so that the food that you eat for your life, not your physical food now, but the food that goes into your head, Dave, the food that goes into your heart, Dave, the food that goes into your mind, Dave, I'm going to help you to, to consume the best food. You know, I used to just eat anything when it came to life. And as a result, I remember being struck with fear, even as a Christian, hit with fear. I've said it lots of times, so I won't go through it. But you just eat it. You, you don't police your mind. You don't, you don't reflect on how you're living. And you take in fear, and you, you become suspicious. And you, as a result of that, Maybe you become depressed and oppressed and you, 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 you start to make choices out of the way that you're feeling and what you're going through. But the teacher, you see, he came to me. I was like that. As a result of living like that, I was stressed out. Well, you would be. You see, your mind needs food. Your soul is looking for food, just like your body. You know when you're hungry. Your body tells you, eat, drink. Your mind's like that. Your mind is like that. Your soul's like that. Searching, sending out signals, waiting for the news. And you, you're in there. You hear, you, you hear about something and you're in there and you're immersed in it, whether good or bad. But the teacher comes and he says, listen, I want you to eat good. 
food, only the best food on my table. And I remember one, I, I, I mean, I'd come to a place in my life where I was just really stressed. And it was affecting my body for eight years. The doc, I went to the doctor. He gave me steroid cream to get rid of the stress. But do you know what? He, can only, he could only help me with the outside, the inside. The inside needed to be sorted out. And one Wednesday night, remember it very, very clearly. I'm alone in my room. So Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit came in just into a very, very close moment, sorted it out. And he says, you're going to start eating differently from now. You're not going to feed on those thoughts of fear any longer. You're not going to feed on, on, those, on those words that bring you down any longer. I'm going to bring you on out from this. And year by year, not, it wasn't just, you know, this big clap of thunder and everything changed in a moment. It's been a process. It's been a process. Now, fear comes. No. Do you know what? No. You're not coming in. I speak to it. Only because I would attempt, listen, not because I'm a strong person, but because the Lord helped me. When my attitude wants to dip, no. No. I'm not going to allow it. Lord, I trust you. Lord, help me now. I need help. And you know what? Every time, he helps us. He really, really does. So today, you know, as teacher, he is by your side. Whilst we leave one another in a few moments and we go off into our various worlds and various weeks, ask the teacher today to walk by you. Ask him. This isn't... this. I'll, I'll, I'll show you next week, right? This is not for a select group of people. I'll show you from God's Word. When David said, Lord, teach me your ways, he wasn't, you know, going into a select group of people that the Lord privately meets with. And it's only them that he'll give his secret information to. No, do you know what? I'll show you from God's Word. God is willing to be the teacher of every single one that calls to him. Everyone. Every single person. He loves teaching. He loves imparting. He loves giving. He wants life to work. He wants life to succeed. He wants you to be the head and not the tail like Faye said. He wants you to be blessed in everything you do. How does it come? Teaching. Teaching. The Lord teaching you. So I'll show you that next week. It's not for, for, for a select few. Oh, well, you're a pastor. No wonder the Lord teaches you. No, 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 no. The Lord teaches. He wants to teach everyone to bring us into the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand to our feet. Father, we thank you today for your presence in this place. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love, for your care. We thank you for the role that you've taken up as teacher and Lord we honor you and we pray for you Lord we pray for every person I pray for every person here under the sound of my voice that you would be their teacher in Jesus name Amen come on